Hey guys, before today's episode of Ringer FC, I want to tell you a little bit about what else is going on at The Ringer. On TheRinger.com, we are honored to have the great Brian Curtis contributing to our World Cup coverage with his Friday column called The Death of the American Soccer Troll and how American media has lost its fascination with punching down on soccer fans and soccer because... The trolls have won, guys. That's uh, that's where we're at. Elsewhere on the ringer, our basketball squad is in Las Vegas for Summer League, and the podcast network is going to be going into overdrive. Live from Vegas, we're going to have the Ringer NBA show, the Bill Simmons podcast, One Shining podcast, the Dave Chang show, House of Carbs, and much more. So tune in over the weekend and early next week to see all the content from Vegas. Now for the show. Yo, yo, yo! Ringer FC World Cup Edition. I'm here with Ryan O'Hanlon and Micah Peters. What's up, boys? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, that's that's what's up, really. Just really long, bereaved sigh uh, that Brazil didn't tie. How did they not tie it up? It, we should be watching Extra Time right now. We should that's be watching Extra Time instead of recording this podcast. That's how we feel. <laughs> all right, all right. We'll get to eulogizing Brazil. We should say at top, one semifinal is set. Say bye-bye to South America. Say hello, France and Belgium, who advanced to the World Cup Final Four at the expense of Uruguay and the aforementioned poor old Brazil. Let's just start with the game we just watched. Belgium beat Brazil 2-1. to one. It wasn't exactly the 7-1 thrashing four years ago. Still a crushing defeat for Brazil. Belgium jumped out to a two-goal first-half lead. Brazil halved that in the second half on an unlikely score, Renato Augusto. And then it was about 20 minutes of full-on attack, and they weren't able to equalize. Why weren't they able to equalize, Ryan? <clears throat> Let's see. Uh, how long have you got? Could we had a week. <laughs> Coutinho <laughs> forgot how to shoot. Uh, that, was Renato, a, that was an awful shank. Renato Augusto used up his one goal on Brazil's first goal. Uh, the ref didn't call two borderline penalties. And Thibaut Courtois made a bunch of really good saves. Yeah, I don't know about the first one. The 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 first penalty maybe you were talking about was like uh, there was one play towards I don't, I don't know towards the end of the game where Douglas Costa served a ball into the back post. Neymar got up for the header. Mounier kind of maybe raked his hand across his face. Um, this is interesting now because obviously the narrative going into this match, there was so much talk about Neymar and his diving. And by my count, I don't know how you guys counted, but there were four penalty shouts. Uh, in this match. We can go over them one by one. There was one in the first half when Thomas Mounier kind of at the edge of the box, the corner of the box, kind of his leg hit Neymar's leg and he went down. Did you guys think that was a penalty? He was fishing for that one. I don't think it was a penalty. That's one of those where like you do question whether Neymar's uh, reputation played into it because it could have been, but it, you know, that's one of the ones, it's like in a non-dangerous part of the box, so it not getting called is is okay with me. Yeah. Right. Okay, so then early in the second half, there were two Brazil penalty shots, I think within about five minutes. The first was a, to me, was just a straight dive by Neymar. I don't know if you guys remember the play. He was kind of cutting across. There wasn't really any contact at all, and he just 
dove. He just he stuck his foot out and let it hit Fellini. Yeah. Right, right, right. On the follow through kind. Of. I mean, you've seen people trick referees that way, but uh, on replay, it was clearly he was going down anyway. But then, about five minutes after that, Gabriel Jesus he nutmegged Jan Vertonghen, which was an amazing play. And then he, the ball was actually rolling out of bounds. He was very close um, to Courtois, and then company basically two footed him, and it was to me clear as day a penalty. What do you guys think about that one? I mean, really, what I think about it is that I'm I'm glad that I get to have that gif of of Gabriel <laughs> Jesus just murdering Jan Vertonghen on TV forever. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that was uh, a penalty. You can't just slide tackle someone anywhere on the field, even if the ball's going out of bounds, and it, the the replay showed that it wasn't out of bounds yet. So, right, it's in, it's interesting because a lot of times when I see penalties given or not given, I think that to me. It's if the ball is kind of rolling out of play or the player uh, isn't a threat to score, then it shouldn't be called. But by the rule, by the letter of the law, that was definitely a penalty. And it looks like the it looked like the ref was kind of pointing to his ear or like listening in and they didn't var it. Right. Or they varred it, but he didn't go to the screen. Yeah, he never went to the screen. He was kind of just standing there waiting for the booth to yeah. tell him. And then and the final one was in extra, I mean, in stoppage time. It was like uh, Neymar was going up for a header, and I think he got nudged a little bit in the back, went down. What did you guys think? Borderline, but we've seen that called a couple times this World Cup. Yeah. yeah uh, I was arguing that it was kind of similar to Sanchez and Kane. I mean, it, in, in, the, in, in that the contact wasn't very severe, but the player went down because of the contact. So Mounier definitely got beat and just yeah. tried to save his ass, and, and he did it. But I, but like this, whatever about every referee decision, like relitigating them after the fact, like we can only do so much. But it just speaks to how deep Belgium was defending the entire game that there were that many possible penalty calls, and it speaks to how lucky you need to get when you defend like that, right? Like right. You, yeah. things have to go your way. When you're defending that deep against a team as skilled as Brazil, you have to make challenges in the box, basically, and you have to luck out and not have them get called, and Belgium got that. Well, I mean, I guess it's maybe a little unfair to Belgium to just relitigate, relitigate every single penalty shot from Brazil because it's about time, Ryan, that we give Bobby Martinez a little credit. Uh, he started with the hero subs from Japan, the, the, the Japan game, Fellaini and Chadley. And I guess Kate uh, De Bruyne was kind of deployed a little bit further up the field, which we've been, all been calling for. That first half, I mean, they didn't create a lot of chances in the game, but once again, we saw, you know, a breathless killer counterattack for that second goal. I mean, I, do you think tactically Martinez deserves some credit for how he approached this game? I think a little bit. I mean, he moved Lukaku out out wide as more of an outlet to take advantage of Brazil's fullbacks, which I think was smart, and mm -hmm. it worked. Um, and there was, what, a 20-minute stretch in the first half where Brazil's midfield was just wide open, and it was, again, one of those games, one of those examples of, like, a team having a bunch of opportunities to counter but not actually turning them into good chances. I mean, um, Brazil also really missed having Kashmir in the midfield to, like, I don't think that yeah. it was such that Fernandinho was playing poorly so much as, like, we were saying this when we were watching the game. It's just that he wasn't quite equipped to play the position that he was put yeah. thrust into. The, yeah. the, those counters don't happen, basically, if Casemiro's on the field. Yeah. That, that's the big difference. But ultimately, 
what I would say is that Belgium scored a goal on an own goal from a corner and then a very nice finish from De Bruyne. De Bruyne didn't really create that much and was not, they just were not solid defensively. Like there were five goal mouth scrambles within the first, you know, 15 minutes of the game. Brazil just pounded them in the second half and just didn't find the net. And, it, and I have no qualms really with the way that Brazil pr- approached the game in the second half. They weren't, there was a couple Douglas Costa shots from long range, but they and they tried a couple sort of balls in the air that they learned were just stupid because Belgium is gigantic compared like to Brazil. Like on average had six inches on each flare. <laughs> but they created a ton of great chances and they just didn't go in. And I, th- I think it's, um, it wasn't a textbook take the lead and shut things down. It was a textbook take the lead and then literally hang on for dear life and hope the other team doesn't score. There, there was no kind of... The one sort of prominent figure, I think, in Belgium holding off was Eden Hazard, who was basically their outlet every time and just either got fouled or dribbled past a defender and yeah, I mean, killed like he, some of the pressure for, what, 30 seconds, and then they would lose the ball and Brazil would go right back up the field and get the ball into the box. Yeah. I mean, like, it, but, him having those hard-charging runs towards the end of the, like, in the 94th minute and being able to draw fouls up the field to, to, to relieve pressure was Integral. Yeah. Let, let's, we should shine a light, though, on that second goal, on that De Bruyne goal, because for the second straight game, we, we're seeing Belgium score off an opponent's corner kick. We should shine a light mm-hmm. on Romelu Lukaku. Yes. And, and Lukaku now you can the- only describe him as in, like, in terms like graceful and beautiful and dazzling. No. That for the sec for the second straight game, he played an integral role in a killer counterattack. I mean, Michael, maybe you can describe his role in this one because he actually was, you know, t- say what happened. Right. So I mean, like it was basically like he started the counter largely by himself. Mm-hmm. I mean, right. Just weaving through, just weaving through Brazilian defenders and then shrugging off the last one and playing a beautiful outlet pass to to Kevin De Bruyne who had acres of space and then he just I mean put his foot through it I mean there was a frozen rope to the bottom left corner do you guys think it's crazy to think that Lukaku might be the front runner for the golden ball at this point Luka Modric would like Lord but I mean like we're not in the business of making like reasonable predictions so (laughs) I would I think he probably is the front runner based on the kind of narrative around him he's got a bunch of goals it's true he still might win the golden boot yeah you know it's true so Belgium's opponent in the semifinal will be the aforementioned France, who beat Uruguay 2-0. Very straightforward win. Ryan still doesn't believe in the French. He commented today while we were watching the match, this doesn't look like a World Cup quarterfinal. What did it look like to you, Ryan? Uh, Not soccer. <laughs> yeah, a boring-ass game between two conservative teams. Uh, I mean, I, I also commented it, commented today that France is going to win the World Cup, and I'm still going to be saying that I'm not convinced by this France team, um, <laughs> which is generally how I feel. I mean, it's another... It's I think it's just hard to really... It, it gets hard to analyze these games when you get so close to the end because this game, it turned on the, the two chances of Varane, a great glancing header from 15 yards out, and then Uruguay has great. a header on the other end, doesn't... It gets saved by Loris, and then Diego Godin skies the rebound over the net, and then there's the mistake from Muslera. And that's that to me. There wasn't much 
kind of goal mouth action beyond that. Um, and it, those are kind of the moments that decided the game. So it's, to me, it's like, if you're France, I, I think in an ideal world, you're pl- against Uruguay, you're relying more than more on more chances rather than you just finishing your one chance in Uruguay not finishing theirs, um, mm-hmm. which is what this game felt like to me for the most well, part. Well, you're the XG god, but I'm going to give you the XG for the game. It was 0.7 to 0.4 <laughs> in favor of Uruguay. <laughs> Let, let's double click on the second goal, though. The uh, Griezmann shot in the 61st minute, it was kind of like a left-footed knuckleball. Uh, Micah, have you ever played keeper? I have played keeper... Just Twice under under protest um, in club soccer coming up. Yeah, sucks. It's it's the, <laughs> it's the worst thing ever. So basically, Griezmann hits this knuckleball. Um, it's coming like about chest height to Muslera. Mm-hmm. I saw this debate on Twitter after. Maybe there's a lot of keepers on Twitter. It's the debate was parry versus punch versus catch, and we saw this with Carius in the Champions League final. Sorry, Ryan. It looked like Muslera was kind of like indecisive about what to do. And I saw a lot of people suggesting just catch the fucking ball. What say you? Uh, I think I would probably fall back on whatever professional keeper said in this situation. But it seems like with something like that, you want to just punch it out um, because it's hard to catch a ball when it's knuckling. Um, I think people are just like willing to criticize goalkeepers because it's like a thing you can kind of understand as someone who's never played soccer before. But like watching Paul Pogba like turn a, def- a midfielder and play the ball upfield isn't like a thing the human, like average human brain can really analyze. <laughs> you, did you literally just are, say certain level of intelligence? No, but anyway, like the. Uh, the, the are you def- he's just defending Carrius still. Well, no. I'm, I, the thing <laughs> no, is, is it's like you can't. I mean, there's definitely a shortage of like people that know what they're talking about when they talk about goalkeeping even when there's a wonder goal it's just kind of like keeper could have done better there or whatever and it's just kind of like well it's mm, not really remember when they criticized pickford for using the wrong hand against belgium and then he did the exact same thing and made that save against columbia with the same hand like, <laughs> so are you guys absolving are, are you guys absolving muslera here from no from one's blame? saying that it's not a howler no it's just that it's not i'd i'd I don't think that it's one that I'm capable of explaining. I would rather just say that I don't understand how you can mess that up. Yeah. But, I mean, like, I definitely think that there was a him getting caught in between, like, in no man's land situation with that because it did knuckle at the last minute. Here, we should, we had David Priest, former professional keeper and now, like, a commentator in England on the podcast a couple of months ago. And he said that, the issue is that Muslera's hands were too active, and he basically swung his hands up as the ball was in motion. This way, he had less time to react to the ball moving, and mm-hmm. you should normally just have your hands up in front of you. So mm-hmm. if it knuckles, you just move them to the side, and that actually sounds like that uh, sounds <laughs> correct. Um, yes, <laughs> yeah. So I'm gonna I'm gonna agree with that. Yeah, we we saw this with Colombia versus England. Colombia, of course, missing James. Uruguay was missing Edison Edison, Edison Cavani. How much did they miss him? Because it seemed like with just Suarez kind of alone, I mean, obviously, uh, Stuani was in there, but it's just not the same, their attack. And it, it definitely showed, right? Yeah, I mean, there were, I, I thought Suarez actually played reasonably well, despite not really ha- creating any chances. He didn't take a shot, but he was a pretty good outlet and would... He played a different role. Head a bunch of difficult balls down, um, sort of preserve the attack from dying out. But then once he did that, it was like... 
Christian Stuani and Laxalt in the box <laughs> instead of Cavani. Yeah. Um, yeah. I never got to hear Micah's opinion on Laxalt's braids. I mean, come on, man. Why? Why? <laughs> like I've. <laughs> I said my, it. My thing with that is just you know go with go with God on that one if you want it that bad. Yeah, I mean <laughs> it looks like it looked like he went on vacation to the Bahamas and he, when he was fourteen with his parents and just came back. I mean, <laughs> like, I, uh, what do you want me to say? Those braids are extremely unauthorized. <laughs> he looks That's like Hugo Rodiega, but That's like. What, <laughs> That's but what worse. I wanted you to say. Yeah. So, Micah. I know you love France. Ryan keeps saying that France is underachieving or underwhelming. In my opinion, France is just basically playing to the level of their competition. They have a gear left, and I think they'll you'll see it against Belgium. How do you assess their performance so far, and do you think they look like a World Cup champion? I mean, like, definitely for the first half hour of that game, they didn't seem like it. I mean, it was just kind of they were really lackadaisical, playing, like, really boneheaded square passes everybody's touch was getting away from them and they never really grew into the game. Everything felt like really, I don't know, hectic and harried and, you know, just everything felt like it was done in a hurry. Um, but I mean, like as far as this team goes, I think that they're, they're honestly just going to ride their defense as far as it'll take them. And I wish that their attack was managed differently. Um, right. But I mean, yeah, I, like I honestly can't say whether or not this team is good, but I'm not entirely sure it matters what I think because they're headed to the semifinal. Well, Ryan, one change that we did see, and this was because of suspension, was Matuidi on the left was replaced by Tolisso. Did he make, did he capture your imagination in any way? Uh, let's go back to that 0.4 expected goals <laughs> figure. <laughs> you, would have per, you would have preferred Dembele or somebody else? Well, it's just, it's, yeah, I think I would have preferred someone who's more comfortable out wide. Um, Tolisso just wasn't, and he would pinch in. And I think it's fine, you know, to play a central midfielder out wide, but then you'd want, like, a Marcelo-type... I mean, no one's Marcelo, but you want an aggressive fullback next to him, and your favorite player, uh, Lucas Hernandez, is not that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Get out of here, Lucas Hernandez. Jeez. I kind of feel like... Uh, I know that I've been, like lukewarm on France, I, I kind of think they're a horrible matchup for Belgium. <laughs> Let's talk about that. <laughs> yeah, that's Let's, true. <laughs> Let's talk about it. We'll preview it again, but it's next Tuesday in St. Petersburg, France and Belgium. I think their last World Cup match was the third place match in 1986, which France won 4-2. to two. Interesting subplot here is Thierry Henry, of course, is the assistant manager for Belgium. He's going up against his native country. And another subplot, actually, for you listeners as you all know, I have to eat a cleat. I'm still going to do it. But Ryan has to eat a cleat if Belgium win the World Cup. Did anyone even make a prediction on that? Or did I just say, if they win, I'll eat a cleat? I think that's what happened. <laughs> we'll, we'll have to run the tape back. Did, but let's just... <laughs> but no, I mean, like, listen, as the, as the, ar as the, the arbiter of justice here... Um, what the fuck is wrong with us, like, offering to eat pizza? <laughs> I have no idea. You're, you're inspired like by when, me. I think it's just when you get lost in the spice, you know? We're going uh, to do a cleat eating competition next time I'm in LA. But seriously, guys, Belgium, France. Ryan, you just said, what did you say? You said France were going to win. I, at this point, I'm of, not going to say anyone is going to win because... 
Brazil play a game today that, in my opinion, should lead to a win often, and it did not. Um, I I just think Belgium is a horrible matchup for France because it's like the Belgium attack is just going to crash into the rocks of the French defense, and then you saw how easy it was for Brazil to move up the field. You saw what it was like. You know, Douglas Costa comes on. Douglas Costa is very good, very good player, and he looked like a god today on the field. Mbappe is Douglas Costa, but he actually scores goals. So to me, it, it sets up really well for another, like, Belgium don't really create anything, and France has that all that space they had against um, Argentina to attack into. Which I kind was of, just going to say. Which it, kind of for, could be forces, like them into, forces them into sort of playing in space, which is what they're best at. But, yeah. I mean... Yeah, Belgium will be the best attacking team they've played thus far in the World Cup. And if we go with the trend of playing to the level of the competition, I would expect a barn burner. I don't know. What do you think, Micah? I don't know. I mean, like, it's definitely France is set up to absorb all of Belgium's attack, though. And then on and then on top of that, like, once, the, once they have another one of those games where after the restart they look gassed because they've been trying to fight off a France attack or whatever, you're going to have Mbappe destroying tired legs. It's just... It's also just, like... <sighs> Come on, like Axel Witzel and Fellaini versus Pogba and Conte. Fellaini was good, <laughs> Fellaini was good today. He was, Michael. but Fel- Fellaini did Come a job. Fel- Fellaini put in a shift. I'm not going to lie. And, to you. and Witzel and like, was good too. But the thing Best is that, like, if your Whistle job play. is to stand there and be a barricade on the top of the 18, I'm pretty sure that two, six, four people can do that. But at the same time, I'd like. I'm not going to say that they didn't play well because they did. Yeah, I love it when countries that border each other play. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> love the love well, the geopolitical this, now, undercurrent. Will, if Belgium wins the World Cup, it'll preserve the fact that all of the you countries have that cleat? have won. Uh, yeah, I'll eat. <laughs> I'll eat a cleat, but every country that's won the World Cup will border another country that's won. I thought you were about to say that. Like, I will eat a cleat for every team in the World Cup. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Anyway, um, on that note. We'll have a word from our sponsor and be back with some quick hit news and a look at tomorrow. Hey guys, before we get back to Ringer FC, I want to tell you a little bit about Lisa. Celebrate July 4th with a premium foam mattress designed, assembled, and manufactured in the USA. Lisa leveraged 30 plus years of experience and hundreds of hours of testing to develop the perfect mattress for all body shapes and all sleeping styles. Lisa's mission is to provide a better night's sleep for everybody. Through their 110 program, they donate one mattress for every 10 they sell. That's more than 26,000 mattresses and counting. Lisa strives to leave the world better than they found it, but that doesn't stop with mattress donations. Together with the Arbor Day Foundation, Lisa plants one tree for every mattress they sell, and they're committed to planting one million trees by 2025. I've got a Lisa. I sleep great every night. Can't recommend it enough. It's the best mattress I've ever had, and it's not even close. So hurry to the July 24th mattress sale with Lisa because it won't last long. Get $160 off a Lisa mattress at lisa.com slash FC today. That's L-E-E-S-A dot com slash FC for $160 off. Lisa, a better place to sleep. Now for some quick hit news around the soccer world. Uh, Micah and Ryan, just give me your instant responses. Juan Carlos Osorio for the USMNT job. There's rumors that the Mexico manager, current Mexico manager, might be next in line. For the U.S. national team, what do you guys think? Let's do it. <laughs> sure. 
<laughs> let's 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 just do it. Let's get all the way wild with it. Next next rumor: Roberto Martinez, current Belgian manager, is apparently being linked to the Spain job. Uh, the Belgian FA president Gerard Lennard said, "Quote: I'm not worried at all. I think the Spanish media is dreaming a bit. If we were world champions, you never know. And Spain were to make Roberto Martinez a generous offer, then it wouldn't bother me." Uh, hold on. Seems like his his uh, his reputation is growing by the minute now. So. <sighs> And he is I mean, Spanish. <laughs> okay, uh, but let's not like give him the. Okay, after the after the game today, this is what Roberto Martinez said, and I quote: "I've never lost a game on the tactics board. It's about the Facts. execution of the tactics." Oh man! Facts. Yeah, he's I mean, getting, he's like, getting gas. He's getting gas. Standing on the on the post game presser podium thing, just holding his nuts. I do think is that like anybody he who's deserve, watching, he deserves it. You no, know, but I mean, like if you watched any of his time at Wigan or Everton struggling to put like even to a, a win and a tie together like win I, an FA Cup okay sure whatever I, I, Ryan I'm going to ask you about this next rumor which seems to be getting louder here Jurgen Klinsmann for Japan uh, if you want an ideologue who has no no clue how to put his ideas into practice great great idea <laughs> <laughs> Bars. <laughs> Sorry. On the club level, we have a new minder for Christian Pulisic, Lucien Favre from Nice, I believe. Yes. Mm-hmm. Is now the new manager at Dortmund. Patrick Vieira replaced him actually at Nice. But uh, what do you guys think about Pulisic's career in Favre's hands? He's going to have to learn how to defend, <laughs> is what I'm going to say about that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I do, do not expect to see a, a breakout performance, like offensive year from Pulisic under Favre. The yeah. wingers have to defend their He's asses definitely going to get barked at for not being a box-to-box winger. Yeah. As if those are like things that still exist yeah. in the world. <laughs> All right. Well, the World Cup doesn't get in the way of silly season. There's some transfer stuff <coughs> happening. Buffon to PSG, one-year deal. And unexpected, but why not? sure, <laughs> fine, you know. I think Ariel is pretty good, but why not sign the guy who's like 75 years older than him? Yeah. <laughs> French defender Benjamin Pavard reportedly set to join Bayern for the start of the 2019-20 season from Stuttgart. Seems like a savvy move. The World Cup boost. Yeah, don't expect any more goals like that from yeah. him, <laughs> I would say. <laughs> Riyad Mahrez, uh, $60 million, reportedly going to Manchester City. I love that move. What do you guys think? I mean, like he was already he was headed there in the January transfer window, and it fell through at the last minute. Yeah, so I mean, I, it it makes sense. Absurd attacking depth now on that team. It's Obs- obscene absurd. is the word that I would use. <laughs> <laughs> and then the big one, CR seven, Cristiano Ronaldo reportedly already picked out a two hundred room villa in Turin in anticipation of his move to Juventus. How do you guys feel about Ronaldo? Juve. Stay at the tabloids, guys. I think we need to put forth Micah's theory on this, which is, you know, this is a very un-Juventus move because they're kind of the savvy sort of signing free players on free transfers. And, like, why would Ronaldo go there? Micah's theory is that, you mind if I say it? Oh, I mean, like, (laughs) I didn't say it's not even a full theory. This is just like, I was just like, what is there to go on that people are so attached to this story? You can get you can and say that, his theory is that he wants to go to Juve for no reason other than that the fans applauded him after he scored the bicycle <laughs> kick against them. He in the just Champions wants to be loved. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that's that's a pretty good theory. It is pretty good. No, but I, it, like in in all honesty, though, I like I who else can pay 
Ronaldo what he wants, which is to be paid as much as Messi other than Real Madrid or Manchester United. And it doesn't seem like Juventus can actually pay him that much. I mean, to make to pay him as much as Messi or Neymar, they're gonna have to, I think it's quadruple basically what Iguain, the highest paid player on the team, is making. Um so like taking that into consideration, it's like wake me up when he's actually, you know, juggling on the uh stadium field. But yeah, apparently the workers at Fiat, the club sponsor, are up in arms about that. But there's there is it seems like there is a lot of smoke. I mean the the thing about this is if if this happens, Real Madrid is buying a superstar this summer to replace him and that's gonna have number a massive for I mean, yeah, I would yeah, believe possibly the number ten for France. Yeah. <laughs> possibly the uh number eleven for Brazil. Neymar's eleven. Right? No, he's ten. <laughs> ten number ten. <laughs> um like so, Coutinho too. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like Coutinho and Neymar. Uh, this with this, I'm still like I don't believe it, um, and I'm not going to believe it until it happens. But if it happens, there is going to be a massive ripple effect across the soccer world. Yeah. And then finally, I think the funniest transfer rumor I've seen so far: Wilmar Barrios of Colombia. You guys might remember as the one who backwards headbutted Jordan Henderson. You might Reported. also remember that that's the only thing of note he did in that game. <laughs> <laughs> and sneered at him. Don't forget that. Reportedly headed to Spurs. For, where for he, why? Where he, will see, why? where he will see Jordan Henderson and John Stones twice a year. What are you going to gain from it? <laughs> Shithousery, Micah. Shithousery. They have Eric Dyer and Victor Wanyama. The shithousery <laughs> question is overflowing. <laughs> That's a good segue to our Saturday preview. You guys, is football coming home? It's already home. Um, <laughs> <laughs> let's let's start with Sweden versus the Harry Kane team. <laughs> Sweden versus the Harry Kane team. I love that. It's like it's like it's the early game tomorrow. We just saw. We didn't just see, but England, of course, beat Colombia on penalties, and Sweden just edged Switzerland in an extremely boring match, one 0 So. What can we expect from, I mean, basically, it's one very defensively organized team versus Harry Kane and, and, a, and a bunch of other dudes. <laughs> yes, yes. No, no, no Guardiola, but I mean, uh, Harry, if it weren't for Harry Kane, would England have gotten out of their group? Would they even be in the World Cup? So, <laughs> oh my God. Wow. am I wrong? Go, go all the way oh, with it. Oh, shit. Um... Let me just give you some quick stats while you guys ruminate on that. Yeah, Sweden I, have, keep have it gone. Sweden have the worst pass accuracy of any quarterfinalist in the opponent's half. They've created 38 chances, but have only scored six goals. They've had 33 possession, 33% possession in their game. So obviously they allow their opponents to keep the ball and, and hit back on the counter. And that's about it. Those are all my stats I have for Sweden. <laughs> I'll come in. I'll come in with some some added stats. Uh, Give me some more. Eight point one expected goals for, four point one against. It's actually very good despite that um, possession number. And they've also al- allowed the fewest defenders to be bypassed by either a dribble or a pass, um, which just speaks to their defensive solidity and it speaks to them actually having a very good defense as opposed to one that just kind of does what Belgium did today in the second half. Um, I The thing I think to watch with this game is Sweden has been really effective countering despite having like 
Emil Forsberg is the one player that can run lower than a four a five second forty. Um, but England, uh, despite all the consternation about them only scoring on set pieces, they have an extremely good counter press uh, for a national team. So I think that's probably where the game ultimately gets decided, whether Sweden can break through England's counterpress. And if they can't, it's going to be a hell of a lot of Sweden just de- defending in their own half and fighting off England free kicks, basically. Yeah. I mean, yeah, the, it's not like Sweden has the pace to really kind of put the requisite amount of pressure on that back three. Um, so, so Sounds like some ethnic stereotyping, Mike. <laughs> it's, no, I mean, like, this is all backed up with numbers. <laughs> and uh, the, 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 the fact that the goal that they scored in, in, their, in their knockout round game was a deflected goal from, you know, like right on top of the 18. Sweden, I mean, Switzerland couldn't close it down, couldn't close Emil Forsberg down at the top of the box. I mean, I, like I was saying, I'm expecting it to be like a kind of, I'm expecting it to be rather boring, actually, with the exception yeah. of, like, the water break that's going to happen because it's going to be 97 degrees there. Yeah, I think we need uh, <laughs> we need an early Sweden goal for, I've, for I've it to open up, yeah. I, I've been reading a bunch of quotes from former Swedish players and one Sven-Goran Eriksson, of course, former England manager. He said, quote, it would be easier for England to beat Brazil than to beat Sweden, in my opinion. I believe it'll be a Swedish win. Given how they are playing now, I believe they can go all the way. You guys mentioned Forsberg, who's, of course, the left-sided midfielder for Sweden. Is there any other player on Sweden that people should... We all know the England team, but... I'll go with Marcus Berg, who uh, who kind of like was having this thing going on in the round of 16 where he, <laughs> he it was as if he'd been told that he was supposed to miss every yeah. single time. Marcus Berg is the poster ch- XG poster child Uh 2.98 expected goals, which is fourth among all players, and he's yet to score. Yeah, um, love it when your number nine has zero goals. <laughs> <laughs> but if England keeps letting him get chances like that, uh, I think he actually finishes one this time just based on the law of averages. So it'll be fun to watch whether he can just keep missing very good chances or actually finally get one. I'm going with Andreas Gramquist, the center back, who's also their penalty taker. Love it when a center back takes the penalties for a team. That's kind of cool, right? Gronkvist for golden ball. Because <laughs> he's going to have those ball. goals. He's 6'4", 33 years old. He looks like he's about 43 years old. You'll see him jostling with Kane all morning. <laughs> or, I guess, afternoon in Russia. And dad strength. Remember, I told you about dad strength before. <laughs> His wife just gave birth to their second child, a daughter, this past week. So that's going to inspire him. Didn't, Ryan, help, uh, didn't help Briel and Bolo, though. <laughs> it, it didn't. He needed to start, though. That's he needed true. to start. Micah, you want to say something about Lindelof? Or? Oh, yeah. I mean, like, Lindelof having, like, coming off not his greatest season ever, uh, his first at Manchester United. He's actually been playing really well this tournament. Um, I mean, I guess it's to see if he can keep it up. I mean, yeah. Uh, very good at, I mean, like a good ball playing center back, but also has been like really solid so far. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I guess that solidity is sort of the mantra for Sweden. You yeah. know what? I, I want to point this out. I, someone was saying that all of the Guardiola players have had terrible World Cups, like Fernandinho, David Silva, guys Sterling. like that. Ster- eh, I'm not going to go there, but 
The, the Mourinho <laughs> effect is the opposite, where, like, Lukaku... <laughs> Lukaku's having his most and, amazing... Uh, Lindelof are all just flourishing. Yeah. <laughs> Outside of Fellaini. <laughs> Fellaini as well. Yeah. Oh, man. Rash- Rashford's penalty. Ashley Young. Actually, <laughs> young. That's why I don't want you know, Ronaldo back at United. Is like, don't spend a hundred million euros on Ronaldo when your two starting wing backs are thirty three and thirty two. Yeah. Just quick player news here for Sweden. Right back Mikael Lustig is out because of yellow cards. Emil Kraft likely in. Sebastian Larsson is back from suspension, and Jamie Vardy is apparently out with a groin injury, which kind of ruined Southgate's plan B that he likes, I guess. Yeah, it might. Um, I don't think there's going to be space for Vardy to run into against Sweden, no matter what the scoreline is, though. So, yeah. I'm forcing you guys to make a prediction here. We're, you know, these are the last few episodes of the, the World Cup edition of Ringer FC, so you guys got to commit. Oh, we're, okay. I'm calling... <laughs> Michael sorry. fell asleep. No, I'm calling 1-0 England. I'll say uh, one zero Sweden. Why not? Right. What are you I'm calling, gonna, Donnie? I'm going. I'm going to go one. Uh, you know what? I want England to lose, and I've been picking wrong a lot. So I'm going to say <laughs> one nil to England. That's a great hedge against yeah, your emotions. <laughs> I just want to say a parting word too uh, about the England English media's reaction to the Columbia game. It was so fucking overblown. Uh, criticizing Colombian, the Colombians for their quote-unquote shithousery, or I heard ragamuffin tactics, thuggish hatchet men, disgrace to get the fuck out of here. England were doing the exact same thing. Mm. I mean... I love that they use the word ragamuffin. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, let's move on to the second game, and I call this one the Jacksonville versus Buffalo NFL playoff game of the World Cup. <laughs> Croatia versus Russia. Ryan has said repeatedly on this podcast that Russia sucks, so therefore I really want them to win. <laughs> Just because you're Ryan, bad doesn't mean you can't win games. <laughs> Ryan, KGB gun to head. Can you say something nice about Russia? Yeah, uh, Igor Akinfeyev has played really well, their keeper. Uh, Alexander Golovin is linked with a transfer to Chelsea. That's my nice thing I'm saying about <laughs> Russia. <laughs> In all seriousness, Shak and our colleague, had a great, uh, column about Croatia and sort of their misuse of, or maybe not their misuse of, but not fully exploiting the talents of their vaunted midfield, of course, Luka Modric and Ivan Rakitic. Do you guys see that changing? Uh, or do you see, I mean, like, because Russia obviously were able to negate Spain over 120 minutes, and Croatia really hasn't play to their potential with the exception, I guess, of that Argentina match. And we've said before, everybody looks good against Argentina. So how do you see this match playing out? I think Croatia will win. I think the way that they would play into Russia's hands, though, would be to just get the ball wide and cross into the box. doing the exact same thing that they've been doing. (laughs) Russia, I think, have won more balls higher percentage of balls in the air than any other team in the World Cup because they have... Is that right? Yeah, they have just gigantic center backs and their fullbacks are actually... I mean, everyone on the team other than Golovin is basically gigantic. Yeah. Um, I love Mandzukic, though. He's such a beast. Well, yeah, I mean, but it's it's Mandzukic and Ante Rebic versus four people that are their exact same height. Yeah. Uh, R- Mandzukic has, has continued his beast mode well into the 
latter stages of his career by playing on the wing and feasting on fullbacks in the air <laughs> on the back post. And I don't know if you can do that this game, but I, I just it's just like Croatia's going to have so much of the ball. And I know that that hasn't actually really mattered that much in this World Cup, um, but it's going to be like Croatia on the ball to a lopsided degree. Um, and they just the players are so much better that I... It's hard for me to see them not winning, even if they kind of keep playing in the inefficient way that they've been playing. I think it'll be another one of those things where you're going to hope for an early goal from Croatia to open the game up so yeah. then they can just go ahead and pick them apart. <laughs> we should say for Russia, the little magician, Alan Jagev, is back. He, if you guys remember, limped off, actually, in the first game. So he's been out since then. You know, Russia's been kind of screaming for some creative play from their midfield, and he is a creative player, so... I think, you know, I don't know, maybe I'm naive here, but I feel like Russia's going to give it a go. I think they were criticized roundly for their play against Spain. Croatia are not Spain. And I think, you know, it's even if they go out here at this stage at the quarterfinal, it'll still be a successful World Cup. So I'm hopeful that they'll kind of throw caution to the wind and actually play some football. I mean, I, th I, I would even say it was successful just to make it out of the group. Yeah. Um, and you're kind of... Playing with house money at this point. Literally playing with house money. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I don't, I, I agree with Croatia is not Spain. Um, and I, I think the closeness and quality of the teams is still not very close, but it's closer than it was in the previous game. So, you know, Russia wins another penalty, puts it away, banks it, you know, bunkers in. I could see them pulling it out. All right, I'm going to pin you down for predictions again. Michael, mm -hmm. you go first. I'm still, I'm calling Croatia 2-0. to zero. Nil, nil, Russia win in penalties. <laughs> <laughs> Don't let it go to the refs. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I have to write that down. Oh, shit, it's on tape. <laughs> nil, nil, penalties and Russia go through. Why the hell not? Yeah, I'm going, I'm going 3 nil, Russia. Why not? There we go. Okay. Don't make a prediction if you're not going to be If you're bold. not. <laughs> <laughs> Micah, will you eat a cleat if Russia win 3-0? That exact scoreline. Uh, Donnie, I am never going to <laughs> that bet exact? that I will, I will let exact scoreline. I will literally Come. never bet that I will what eat we, a cleat no, because what, what I know that if I lost, coward. I would not eat the cleat. And what I wouldn't, you know what? I'm not going to say one thing and then be a liar. You know what I mean? There's nothing we could do. Hmm. I mean... <laughs> Like, if you gave me time to think about it, but no, I'm, right. I'm not betting. If you guys betting. have any suggestions for bets uh, to, uh, for us to offer Micah to get him to eat, uh, potentially eat footwear, let us know. <laughs> It'll be a three-man cleat eating Shoes are for wearing, bro. Right? I know. It'll be, so, it'll be so much fun. <laughs> uh, I'd rather just cackle off camera while y'all eat We can all keeps. vomit in the bathroom together. <laughs> well, thank you, boys. Thanks, Donnie. Thank you. We'll be back on Monday for another edition of Ringer FC. Peace. Today's episode of Ringer FC was brought to you by Lisa. Celebrate July 4th with a premium foam mattress designed, assembled, and manufactured in the USA. 
Lisa leveraged 30 plus years of experience and hundreds of hours of testing to design the perfect mattress. Lisa's mission is to provide a better night's sleep for everybody. Through their 110 program, they donate one mattress for every 10 they sell. Hurry up. The July 4th Lisa mattress sale won't last long. Get $160 off a Lisa mattress at lisa.com slash FC today. That's L-E-E-S-A dot com slash FC for $160 off.